Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. You know what's funny? The more I look into this New World Order talk, big conspiracy theory, New World Order, the more I find out that the people talking about this New World Order or ordering of the New World or World Order New, uh, it's the left that seems obsessed with it. Lefties, globalists, not us. So when we address their new world order, they accuse us of being conspiracy theorists for addressing their conspiracy. It's really genius. I've got more video today showing you what their new great reset, new world order surveillance state could look like. And let me tell you something. It's not pretty. Also, I want to talk to you about the power of a narrative, um, how the left is using this narrative and how it plays into this whole Disney fight. Disney and the, and the kids, I'm trying to take control of your kids, may not be working out too well for them, as you're seeing right now. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show on this fine Friday. Also, want to get to today, this has been, I would argue, maybe, maybe the worst week of the Biden presidency. Now, you may say, fairly enough, Dan, the Afghanistan disaster when that went down was clearly the worst. It was bad. That was tragic. I'm not talking about the human toll. I'm just talking about the political toll. I don't know. I'd argue this week could possibly be worse. I'm going to make the case for you. I think it's going to be pretty, it's going to be pretty straightforward. With cyber attacks on the rise, protecting your data security is more important than ever. So why is Congress considering a law that puts your data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill shifts billions in consumer spending to less secure payment networks, all so that corporate megastores can make bigger profits. Don't let Durbin Marshall steal your data. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com security and tell your senators to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Paid for by Electronic Payments Coalition. All right, Joe, let's go. It's Friday. Yeah, I forgot so it was Friday. Go, Thank you for the reminder there. Oh, yeah, yeah, I totally welcome. forgot about that. So, hey, um, this new world order looks a lot like a totalitarian surveillance state. Again, folks, you can dismiss this all you want on the left with your dopey fact checkers and your silly media PP tape people. Yeah, new world order. It's a conspiracy theory. Then why do you keep talking about it? Is that the... I, I'm just asking, why do you keep talking about it? The more I've been doing my homework into this, into the these globalists, World Economic Forum, uh, big left, big government types, the more disturbing this stuff gets. Now, one of the things we've been harping on for the last three to four weeks has been what, guys? What are we in, ladies? What have we been talking about? I've been talking about them at three to four, probably uh, three to four months. The obsession with the left with these vaccine mandates, right? Why? Why are they talking about the mandates and not talking about therapeutics, antibody treatment, um, you know, avoidance, common sense uh, hygiene measures? Why are they always talking about mandates and vaccine mandates specifically? Because a vaccine mandate, ladies and gentlemen, think this through, allows them to do two very important things. It allows them to take control and surveil what's going on inside your body and what's going outside your body. Think about that for a second. By mandating that an injection be given to you, you take away the idea that the Constitutional Republic is held sacred forever, that you are the ultimate king and monarch over what goes and goes in your body and, and doesn't go in your body. You are sovereign over your own body. The very essence of uh, big R God-given rights, correct? 
If you don't have the right to your own body, forget about the right to speech, the right to defend yourself, the right to assemble, petition the government, it means nothing. If the government can tell you what goes in your body, then all those other rights, you might as well throw them in the garbage and flush them down the toilet bowl. So that's number one, the vaccine mandate. But second, it allows for surveillance. It allows for surveillance as well, because with the vaccine mandate, you have to determine if people are vaccinated. I mean, when you get vaccinated, Joe, you don't turn purple, right? Right. So how would any, well, not yet. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm kidding. But how, how would anyone know you're vaccinated? So they love vaccine mandates, not only because they can tell you we own your body, not you, but secondly, they get to monitor you later. Surveillance. Genius. Just genius. Evil, totalitarian, but I got to give them credit. They are strategically genius. They are. That's why they love mandates. What does that have to do with their new world order or ordering of the world or great reset and all this stuff? Well, the only way they're going to be able to implement this new, more organized, totalitarian, top-down, big government, heavy state that all these globalists want is by being able to surveil what people do and breaking down this body sovereignty thing. That's why this vaccine mandate thing was such a critical component and why they want to die on that hill. So I've been doing some homework and I found this. This is uh, Pippa Malgren. Malmgren. She was a... Uh, uh, economic advisor to President Bush, showing you again that these swampies, this is not a Democrat or Republican thing. Don't make that mistake. This is a uniparty, big new world order thing. This is an economic advisor to President Bush at one of these globalist conferences talking about the, the new digital currency. Again, another means like a mandate and a vaccine passport to surveil you to make sure they can watch what you're doing so it is in line with their totalitarian, big government, Green New Deal spending agenda, right? She talks about this digital currency. She talks about how they have a perfect record of surveillance, Joe, how they have greater clarity into your life, how competing needs could then be balanced through the digital currency. Listen to every second of (laughs) their... Listen every second. You haven't done that voice in a while. It sums it up perfectly how the swampies on both sides they love this stuff now wait one quick thing this may be a warning rather than advocacy i want to put that out there i don't but clearly enough they are absolutely aware of what's going on and why surveillance is part of it check this out it means digital it means having a almost perfect record of every single transaction that happens in the economy, which will give us far greater clarity over what's going on. It also raises huge dangers in terms of the balance of power between states and citizens. In my opinion, we're going to need a digital constitution of human rights if we're going to have digital money. Uh, But also, this new money will be sovereign in nature. Most people think that digital money is crypto and private, but what I see are superpowers introducing digital currency. The Chinese were the first. The U.S. is on the brink, I think, of moving in the same direction. The Europeans have committed to that as well. And the question is, will that new system of digital money and digital accounting accommodate the competing needs of the citizens of all these locations so that every human being has a chance to have a better life? Because that's the only measure of whether a world order really serves. Here we go with this world order again. <laughs> I can't. I can't. It's, it's a here. Then why do they keep talking about it? Now, 
I will give Pippa an out on this. She, uh, she may, it may in fact be a warning. She does say at one point we would need a new digital bill of rights, implying she's warning against some of the downsides of a digital currency. However, I, I'd like to state also that this is the swamp attitude that if we can install a digital surveillance system via a digital currency to see what you spend your money in it, don't worry, Joe, a digital bill of rights will save you. You mean like the Bill of Rights protected Donald Trump against having his campaign spied on? Folks, again, it's this, it's this false hope that a government can, can solve a problem, but in order to prevent government overreach, we'll, we'll rely on government to police itself through a digital Bill of Rights. All part of the new order they talk about. I mean, how is it a conspiracy theory if they keep talking about it? Notice what she says there, that this digital currency would give you a perfect record of everybody, what they spend their money on. How does that make you feel? The government, don't worry, you're protected by a digital bill of rights. That they'll have greater clarity. It'll be able to balance competing needs. What, like the competing needs of the victim class the left creates so they can take your money and give it to them? Whatever victim class they decide? How does that sound to you? You see how this whole new world order thing they keep talking about in the new order starts to look a whole lot like a totalitarian surveillance state. And did you notice how whether it's BlackRock CEO Larry Fink or Pippa Malmgren or others at these globalist conferences, did you notice this one thing? Do you notice, guys, they're always bringing up China as an example? Oh, look, China is already trying to push this digital surveillance state now. They're having uh, some success with this stuff now. Maybe we should take a look at that, wink and a nod. Did you ever notice that? It's happening right in front of your face. But yet it's so just cavalierly ignored by people in the establishment GOP. Oh, don't listen to those Bongino guys. It's all a conspiracy theory. Then why the do you keep talking about it? It's not me. It's you. They want a digital currency along with digital vaccine passports. Vaccine mandates. It enables them to break down body sovereignty. Let them let make you believe you're a ward of the state. You, you will tell you what goes in and out of your body. And it softens you up to the surveillance state. Oh, oh it's, they're not surveilling me. I'm just showing a vaccine passport. And then what happens when the vaccine passport and other passports? I mean, are there going to be other vaccine passports in the future. God forbid there's another outbreak. What happens when that's combined with a digital currency where they can monitor every place you spend a dollar? In order to avoid being surveilled, you're going to have to avoid going into places that require a vaccine passport, which will be nowhere. And you're going to have to avoid spending any money. And that's assuming they can't track your phone. We're chattel. Looks a, looks a lot. Right. right. We, yes. Yes. We, no, even better. Huh. Sheep. There We're being go. herded. By the big, uh, the, the, by the big government sheep herder. You think this is all a joke? I mean, you can laugh it off all you want, but you have to ask yourself: Why is it that they keep talking about it? Here we go. Here's a futurist people love. This guy has an enormous following. If you haven't heard of him, you better. Again, you can say like, "Oh, this is a warning. This isn't a recommendation." Like I'll say with Pippa Malmgren, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm not a leftist. I don't lie about people. Either way, whether it's a warning about the digital surveillance totalitarian future or a recommendation, either way, I'm concerned because this guy's very influential with globalists around the world. His name is Yuval Hariri. He is extremely popular. He has an enormous following. 
Globalists around the world love this guy. Listen to him talk and keep in mind the entire time you're hearing this. Why is the left so obsessed with the vaccine mandate, knowing the vaccines have not been as effective as they pitched? Because of what I said before, I'm going to hammer this into everybody's skull today. It has nothing to do with the vaccine and everything to do with taking control of your body, number one, and then using it as a vehicle to surveil you through passports and other things later and softening you up to that idea. Keep that all in mind as you listen to this futurist, Yuval Hariri, who they all love, talk about surveillance below the skin. Check this out. Now, I agree that we are unlikely to see uh, uh, computers and humans merge into cyborgs in the next 20 or 30 years. I think and there are so many things that we can say about development in AI in the next two decades. But the most important point to focus on is what I mentioned as hacking human beings. The point when you gather enough data on people and you have enough computing power to get to know people better than they know themselves. Now, I would like to hear what are the thoughts also from people in, in, in the hall, are we at a point, I'm not a technologist, but the people who really understand, are we close or at the point when Huawei or Facebook or the government or whoever can systematically hack millions of people, meaning knowing them better than they know themselves? That they, they know more about me than I know about myself about my medical condition, about my mental weaknesses, about my life history. Once you reach that point, the implication is that they, they can predict and manipulate my decisions better than me. Not perfect. It's impossible to predict anything perfectly. They just have to do it better than me. Uh, again... In the spirit of candor, it's one of the most disturbing things I've heard in a long time. Now, giving the gentleman the benefit of the doubt, is he giving you a warning or is it a recommendation? I have to be candid with you. Having done a lot of homework before I brought this segment forward on Yuval Harari, I am uh, I'm not really sure if it's a warning or if it's a recommendation. But I know this. The man has a following that is enormous and you can ignore him at your own peril. And globalists around the world look to him for guidance and advice. So now I ask you to kind of rewind the tape a little bit. He's telling you this narrative, this story. Listen to him. Do not ignore him. He's telling you the same story other people are telling you who are globalists and seek this new world order they keep talking about. What's the story they're telling you? They're telling you a story about the surveillance state moving forward and the loss of your individual freedom. Whether it's a warning or a recommendation, I don't venture to say. But whether it's real or not, I do. It's very real, the threat of this. Do you think it's a coincidence that I opened up with Pippa Malmgren at this uh, conference talking about how digital currencies, digital money, state-sponsored digital money will create, quote, the perfect record talking about surveillance of people and greater clarity into their lives. Clarity, just kind of buzzwords for surveillance. And then I just played Hariri talking about how the big tech government symbiote in the future 
using surveillance into your lives will be able to hack his words, not mine, into your life to know more about you than you know about yourself. How does that make you feel? And then we played the cut last week. You know what, Jim, can you get that for the radio show? The fourth industrial revolution cut by Klaus Schwab talking about how the next industrial revolution is going to be emerging of the physical, the biological, and the digital. Your life, your physical life, where you go, your biological life, what's inside, your digital life online. His words, ladies and gentlemen, not mine. I played them in a show, I think, earlier this week. The merging of the physical, the digital, and the biological. Doesn't that sound like exactly what Harari's talking about? And what Pippa Malmgren's talking about? Again, this new world order they keep addressing in this great reset is starting to sound a lot like a surveillance state to me. And in order to sell the surveillance state to you going forward, because nobody wants to be watched, ladies and gentlemen, nobody wants to be surveilled all the time, correct? They're going to have to sell it on a narrative, on the power of storytelling. Here's Klaus Schwab, head of the World Economic Forum, who keeps talking about the fourth industrial revolution, merging the biological, the physical, and the digital into this big surveillance state moving forward. Here's Schwab himself talking about how narratives and storytelling are really important here to sell this. His own words. Check this out. I, I feel like an artist. My main work, and I want to concentrate my main work in the forum on this creative capability, it's an artist. And tell me, an artist never retires. Uh, if you go back into the history and look at good artists, uh, they stay until they cannot perform anymore in a creative way. As soon as I cannot, it's not the age, as soon as I would notice that I cannot perform anymore in a creative way, I would retire. Is he talking about artists retiring? Is he, I mean, he's, <laughs> power of selling a narrative, man. Power of narrative, power of storytelling. Look at that, there you go. The goosebumps segment again. I'm not kidding, you can see it if you're watching on Rumble. Folks, this stuff scares me, okay? I, as I always say, there's no need to panic about anything or get crazy about anything. Um, when you're prepared and you understand the terrain features of the fight, the battles ahead might be a little bit frightening, but you're not as anxious as you would be if you're walking into the unknown. My goal on this show now and forever, and I know the whole team's goal too, is to never let you walk into the unknown. And don't be scared away by, oh my gosh, if you mention any of this stuff, it's a conspiracy theory. Really, if it's a conspiracy theory, I'd like you to tell me exactly what these people are talking about with their perfect record of surveillance, of greater clarity, of fourth industrial revolutions, merging of physical, biological, and digital. What they're talking about when they mean hacking into human beings, below skin surveillance, and the power of narratives and acting. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. How about you address that rather than calling us all names? Fascinating topic. I'm not going to let it go either. All right. Speaking of power, power of narratives, coming up next, I um, I want to play for you another piece of it. These, these teachers are just incredible. Uh, to all the good teachers, I love you. Thank you. Uh, but to all the teachers out there who are just hell-bent on indoctrinating kids, I cannot understand why you just can't control yourselves and stop yourselves from broadcasting all of this on social media. 
I'm going to get to that in a second, how they're trying to portray a narrative here that's just simply false. Our kids matter. They're all that matters. Fight for our kids. If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small, it can be stored anywhere, in a go bag, anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. Comes in black and two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three to $400, depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at henryusa.com survival. And while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers in the role made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals on a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. Okay. Now, we just saw Schwab on, Klaus Schwab talking about the power of narratives and acting appropriately. Well, the narrative uh, of uh, the power of narratives is important to the left. They understand that because what they're trying to sell you is hard to sell. Trying to sell you. I mean, just think about it, right? Let's be practical for a moment. Throw all the BS out the window. The leftist agenda is hard to sell. If you're honest, we want to surveil you. We want to make you take injections you don't want to take. We want to take your money through confiscatory taxation. We want to tell you where to go to the doctor and we want to indoctrinate your kids. Come on. I mean, for a a moment, put aside your pre-existing notion of who the left is. And I'm asking you candidly, if someone were to come to you from another planet and tell you, here are our politics on this planet, you'd be horrified. You'd be like, get me off this planet right away. Right. So in order for the left, right, to sell this nonsense, surveillance state, high taxes, you know, we're going to indoctrinate your kids. They have to tell stories. The stories are BS and they're always framed in terms of victimhood. We're protecting young transgender kids. You're not protecting them. You're indoctrinating them. There's a difference. Here is a teacher who put this out on TikTok. Again, they put it out there in the social media ecosystem. They're not hiding it. Hat tip libs of TikTok again, one of the finest accounts on social media. She put this out there, the teacher, and is basically upset that she can't share a personal life with the students and the parents. I, I Again, I, I have a number of business relationships with various companies I invest in. I have never once, Joe, have you, begun a Zoom call or something like that saying, hey, Dan, let me share my sex life at home with you all. I, I, I don't understand any no. other business where this is appropriate. So why in education is it appropriate? Here's how it's framed, though. The teacher is framed as the victim here. What this is? Don't dismiss this stuff. Here, check this out. As an elementary school teacher in Florida, um, this new bill has really been weighing on me a lot. I teach first grade, which means my classroom is one of the ones that will be directly affected. Um, For those of you who haven't been in the classroom in a while, one of the things that teachers always do at back to school night and meet the teacher and things like that is they like send home this cute little like meet the teacher thing where it has like a little bio about us some of our favorite stuff just so that you know who we are how do i do that next year do i lie and Mm -hmm not talk about my marriage? Do I pretend I'm single? Do I invalidate my spouse's stance as a trans femme person? Or do I put my job on the line? 
to introduce myself. I, I don't know what to listen. I'm not a, a, angry at the, I'm not, I, I don't hate anybody. I, I, I understand, you know, it's a complicated world full of complicated people and I'm willing to listen to anyone about anything. What I don't understand here is why you think your personal life is the purview of parents and students for a job you've been paid to do that has nothing to do with your personal life. Am I, Joe, am I crazy? I'm really trying to, have, I'm dead serious here. I am seriously trying to understand both sides of this debate so I don't fall into the trap the left falls in with us where they never understood the Trump voter. Right. I seriously cannot grasp why you think your personal choices in your life are in any way relevant to teaching English, social studies, or math to kids. The narcissism on display with the left is astonishing. If you want to go out to the teacher and speak to parents and have an after-hours get-together and a happy hour and enjoy yourselves, then do it. If the parents want to hear about your personal life, I it's not my business. It's school. You see how why the left is freaking out now over the DeSantis bill? They need a narrative to sell the garbage agenda I just told you about. Indoctrinating kids, taking your money, sending them to a doctor they choose, um, regulatory uh, red tape everywhere. This is not popular. So do you understand if they lose access to the kids, a captive, young, impressionable, almost tabula rasa audience, if they lose access to the kids, they lose everything? This is a good show. Sorry, I know self-praise things, and I don't really care. This is a thank you. Guy agrees. Like yeah, they lose access. To, thank you, Joe. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's just, my hand always says self-praise things, but I'm really into this today. I, I if they lose access to the kids, the Klaus Schwabs of the world and others realize they will have to sell a "we want to stare at you and steal your money" agenda. The same people who haven't been indoctrinated are going to be like, "What are you kidding?" Double-barreled, family-friendly, middle finger. Not giving you my money and letting you watch me. That's why they're freaking out. This is why school choice, and most importantly, folks, we cannot forfeit curriculum. I say to the activists out there, there are a lot of great ones, and I have been talking about school choice forever. You know it, I know it. I met Joe, gosh, 11 years ago, running in Maryland, talking about school choice because I'm a product of it. True. School choice is not the be-all, end-all. It is super important. I put it number one in the educational hierarchy. But do not forfeit the curriculum debate either. If they're allowed, you can choose all the schools you want. If every school you choose teaches the same woke 1619 false history project and teaches your kid to be racist and that they're transgender when they're in kindergarten, it doesn't matter what school you chose. On that note, though, school choice is important because it allows parents an escape and it allows a market to develop for non-woke schools. That's why the left hates school choice. One of their arguments against school choice has always been the ridiculous, absurd argument that, you know what? Public dollars, man. But one, they're not public. They're your dollars. You pay for public schools. OK, public dollars, Joe. They can only go to public schools. So, you know, uh, Corey DeAngelis and others who who speak out about school choice and me all the time are like, really? 
Because that's funny, Joe. Like I pay public dollars. I pay a federal tax bill like you do, like he does as well, correct? And that's kind of weird because that money goes to other people for Social Security that they spend in gas stations and supermarkets. Those aren't public. Uh, You know, we have uh, Medicaid, Medicare money that goes to private hospitals. So it's kind of weird. Like in education, it's the only time public money can go to public schools and and it has to. That's kind of strange. So a representative, a state senator, forgive me, Amy Sinclair from Iowa, just eviscerated in beautiful fashion. Uh, They were talking about a bill, school choice bill in Iowa, just eviscerated this stupidity yesterday about public money can only go to public schools. This is glorious. Hat tip, Iowa Senator Amy Sinclair. Check this out. There are those who would tell you that public money should only be used for public purposes, just like we heard tonight. But if that's the arbiter in this conversation, what about all the other public dollars used, being used for private purposes? Mr. President, would you dream of telling a young mother whose child is on Medicaid that she can only take her daughter to the free walk-in clinic and not to Blank Children's Hospital to be treated for cancer? Would you dream of telling her that? Would we ever consider telling that single dad who's utilizing SNAP to feed his kiddos that he can only take those dollars to Hy-Vee or to Fairway but not to his local grocery store. Would we dream of directing where he's using public dollars for his private purpose? Would we dream of doing that? I wouldn't. Would we dare tell the brilliant Pell Grant or Iowa tuition grant recipient that she could only go to the University of Iowa because that's the one that's the public system and not to Central College to gain her degree because public dollars shouldn't go for private purposes? You know, a listener sent me this like, 50 cent sound machine. I don't mean the rapper. I mean like literally 50 cent. <laughs> There's cause my, my wrists are getting old. Hey, there you go. Clapping a 50 cent clapping sound. Joe's like, Dan, come on. I can find a clapping sound. Yeah, I get it. I don't want to cause you extra work. We'll use the 50 cent sound machine. Thank you. Senator Amy Sinclair. Brilliant point. You got a kid who God forbid has leukemia and the best hospitals private. When the kid's on Medicaid, you're going to tell the kid, no, no, they can't go to the private hospital, public clinic down the road. No, 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 no. We don't mean that. Oh, no, you just mean for ruining a kid's life by sending him to a crappy public school instead. Oh, okay, we get it. Oh, that's so much better. So much, we get it. Thank you. Well, well said. Choice, school choice, and curriculum are the fight for the next generation. You give up either one of those. Either one, we are lost and we are finished. So just quickly before we go, one of the arguments I've seen the left, I'm going to discredit this fully, pitch in the last few days about their desire to teach kids uh, sexually inappropriate topics in kindergarten is, you know, it's not us. It's you guys trying to ban books. You're the real censors and the cultural bad guys. David Arsani has a great piece uh, in Town Hall. It'll be in the newsletter today. Bongino.com slash newsletter. Please sign up and read it. It's a good one. No. School boards, talking about relatively conservative-leaning ones, school boards are not banning books. There are some schools who do not put some of these books in the library because they're inappropriate to kids, which he notes. That doesn't mean the books are banned. If a parent wants to read a book called This Book is Gay or Out of Darkness, these are books, uh, they're available, then buy them for your kids. That's your choice. It doesn't mean they're banned, but he brings up an interesting point, David Arsani. 
Just because schools keep sexually inappropriate material off their libraries for young kids to read, does that mean they're banned? He says if such requirements did exist, do the schools have a duty to carry the road to serfdom? Of course, the Libertarian Manifesto by Friedrich Hayek. Well, what about the war against boys? What do I got that one? Why are schools banning Heroes of Liberty or Ben Shapiro's books? How about Dan Bongino's books? Do you notice how they're such phonies and fakes? Oh, so you want to book this book is gay and out of darkness and we are the ants in your library, whatever they are. Books with the topics many school districts believe are just not appropriate for kids. Okay, fine. You go ahead and do that. We're going to put Road to Serfdom, Capitalism and Freedom. We're, we're, we're going to put uh, the, the uh, War Against Boys. We're going to put Ben Shapiro's books, my books. You would see the left lose their minds. Oh, my God. You can't put that there for kids. I thought that was banning books. No, no. We just meant it when you guys said it. Total liars. Total liars. Okay. The most important topic today so far. Well, second most after the beginning. Is this the work, worst week of Biden's presidency? Again, he can make a pretty strong case. It was the, the horror in Afghanistan. I mean, we lost 13 of our heroes. And there's no question um, that for the country, that was one of the worst weeks we've had in a very, very long time. But I'm making the case here. I want to be clear, not morally or ethically. I'm making the case politically. I think this may have been the worst past seven to 10 days, week plus of the Biden presidency. And I'll tell you why. Folks, they can't seem to do anything right anymore, and it's fairly obvious. No matter how hard Joe Biden and his team try to frame the narrative. Remember, Klaus Schwab, you've got to act when you can no longer act. You've got to wrap it up, right? Acting is selling a story that's fake. The Biden team has been desperate to sell to you that despite the government's failure to stop COVID, despite spending trillions of dollars, and despite their spending of money, they have been unable to convince you all of this is someone else's fault. The polls indicate everybody's blaming Biden. Why? Kim Strassel is a fascinating piece. I covered this on my Locals account, one of my reality show TV segments I do on my Locals show last night. Why we are COVID broke. Joe, we're COVID broke. Huh? You know, last time I checked, the Strassel notes, <laughs> I knew you're confused too, right? Yeah. She says, didn't Washington spend $6.6 trillion in 2020 and $6.8 trillion more in 2021? Both years equaled at least 50% more in spending than the old ages, Joe, of 2019. They spent this on COVID. In addition, she notes, Democrats waved through a sixth COVID relief bill totaling $1.9 trillion. That's enough money, she notes, to buy every COVID vaccine, ventilator, and hospital chain on planet Earth. Yet this week... These imbecile morons in government, I added imbeciles and morons. I don't want to include, I don't want to, I don't want to paint Kimberly Strassel with my words. She notes only this week, the White House put out a $5.8 trillion 2023 budget proposal. Yet the administration insists, Joe, that despite spending close to $15 trillion in just two and a half years, they note, getting back to the quote, that without this $22.5 billion in emergency dollars now, we face the COVID apocalypse. Here we go. Folks, the gig's up, man. The gig's up. Yeah, really. I mean, you, it is only the dumbest of the dumb on the far left that believe despite spending $15 trillion on COVID that we're out of COVID money. It is the dumbest of the dumb who believe that. Everyone else knows the government can't fight its way out of a wet paper bag. These people are morons. You just turned over them to them. Generational wealth. $15 trillion of your money they stole. Over two and a half years. 
and engaged in fraudulent spending, the biggest fraud program of all time, and now they're broke again. Tell me again how this isn't his worst week. They're back begging for money again. Here's another one. The, um, just quickly, the immigration thing's about to explode. Again, political playbook is really great for lefties, and I encourage you to read, even though it's written by lefties, it's a good way to get into the mind of the left. When they note that Democrats are freaking out on something, folks, they're freaking out. Why? Playbook's written by lefties. They're trying to cover for the left. So when they write in the playbook, hey, Democrats are freaking out. Trust me, they're freaking out. Here's from Playbook this morning. Top Democrats on Thursday lashed out at the Biden administration and each other over the fate of an emergency order, talking about Title 42. I'll cover this on my Fox show this weekend, by the way, that the Biden and Trump administrations have used to expel undocumented immigrants during the pandemic, with some arguing for a quicker policy change and others warning not to move ahead. Republicans pounced on President Biden, accusing him of inviting chaos and danger. What does this mean? Let me translate for you. Title 42 allows us to turn illegal immigrants around at the border because of COVID. It's about to expire. The Biden administration should renew it, but won't because they want to let people in the country. Ladies and gentlemen, Democrats are terrified. Why are they terrified? Because of illegal immigration? No, they love illegal immigration. They don't care about that. Remember the narrative. The narrative before the election will be total chaos. If uh, pictures start appearing on Fox News, drone pictures again, of hundreds of thousands of people a week, which is what's predicted, pouring into the border if Title 42 is allowed to expire right before an election. You want to lose South Texas? You want to get destroyed in Arizona? You want to get buried in New Mexico, California, other states that don't border to Florida, Louisiana, you want to get buried at the polls? Show 24-hour photos of a chaotic border drone footage with hundreds of thousands of people a week. Tell me again how this wasn't the worst week. Also, one of their nominees for the Department of Labor got crushed, lost three Democrat votes, a huge humiliating embarrassment. He had to release oil from the Strategic Petroleum Oil Reserve, which will do nothing long-term to dent the problem we have with Putin and the oil market. Ladies and gentlemen, he's in real trouble. Now, because he's in real trouble, and it is April Fool's Day, he was uh, nice enough to put together some of Joe Biden's greatest hits. Now, because it's April Fool's Day, we'll call it greatest hits because he doesn't have any greatest hits. Thank you, Guy, for putting this wonderful package together after the worst week of Joe Biden's presidency. Check this out. This old fool. Welcome to Kingswood Community Center. Actually, that's the one down I used to work. It's a joke. I didn't know where we were anyway. <laughs> we hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the go, you know the you know the thing. If it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to anyway. I got hairy legs. That turn, that 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 turn, uh, uh, um, blonde in the sun. So I learned about roaches. I learned about kids jumping on my lap. I wrote the bill on the environment. On the environment. Why would I not be for it? Is that a serious question, right? Is it acceptable to me? Come on. Come on, man. Come on, man. Come, Come on, on, man. Because of the actions we've taken, things have begun to change. And a quote, and a quote. And the- Joseph R. Biden Jr. Anyway. $1.9 trillion are 
400 corporations, 550 corporations in the Fortune 500. What must be what? What must be what? Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well Good done. Job, bravo. Bravo. It's the first time I've seen that. And not Guy did not preview that for you. Well done. Of course, those are his greatest hits. And on April Fool's, his greatest hits mean his greatest misses. And yes, fact checkers, I get it. He said, my what's been what? Not the butt's been what? It's a joke, you idiots. It's a joke. A joke. Bill McCarthy, you better get on that right away. You got a certificate in journalism from Denny's or something. Tom Kircher, get on that right away. All right. Um, let me get to my last sponsor. And I want to debunk something absurd being pitched by the Biden administration that is so laughable on its face. You really, really need to get ahead of this now because they're going to continue to roll. Obama did the same thing. Joe, remember we used to cover back in the day. Remember Obama saying he was this great deficit cutter and yeah. you and I on a podcast used to break out the numbers and be like, wait, what? Biden is doing the exact same thing. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. And I got your questions too. Uh, today's show, I want to welcome a new sponsor. I want to welcome Beam Organics. Do you know poor sleep can cause, you know, I talk about poor sleep all the time. If you get poor sleep, you can get weight gain, mood issues, poor mental health, and lower productivity. Some reports say sleeping less than six to seven hours a night could be linked to reduced white blood cell count. White blood cells protect our body against illness and disease, fighting viruses, bacteria, and other pathogens. Not many people realize this, but having a consistent nighttime routine is critically important. You know I talk about sleep all the time. It is critical to me functioning during these busy work days. I want to introduce to you Beam Dream. Beam, B-E-A-M, is one of the world's most innovative functional wellness brands with unique products designed to help you reach your maximum potential for better state of mind and body. Today... My listeners get a special discount available for Beam's sleep product, Dream Powder. It's their best-selling hot cocoa. It contains premium ingredients, triple lab tested, to help you wake up feeling more refreshed. 98% of people surveyed fall asleep faster when taking Beam Dream, and 99% of people experience better sleep quality. Just mix Beam Dream into hot water or milk, stir, and enjoy it before bedtime. Find out why Forbes and the New York Times are all talking about Beam and why it's trusted by some of the world's top athletes. You don't love it? Get your money back, guaranteed, no problem. For a limited time, get up to 35% off when you go to beamorganics.com slash Bongino. That's B-E-A-M, beamorganics.com slash Bongino and use code Bongino at checkout. That's beamorganics.com slash Bongino and use code Bongino, B-O-N-G-I-N-O for up to 35%. Get some sleep. BeMorganics.com slash Bongino, promo code Bongino. Welcome, BeMorganics. Okay. Uh, you know, I dislike uh, narrative building and fairy tales and nonsense gaslighting. So the Biden administration is trying something the Obama administration tried in the past, which used to drive me nuts. The Obama administration said, oh my gosh, this is where the greatest deficit cutters ever, which I always found puzzling. And the trick they use is the Biden, the Obama administration, forgive me, spent a whole bunch of money. Remember with the stimulus, the Obama stimulus? Yeah. And then when the money started to dry up a little bit, they said, look, we cut the deficit, which is nonsense and garbage, right? It, it would be the equivalent, the deficit cutter myth that liberals use of suggesting that you ran up $100,000 in debt in your credit card last year. And because this year you only wound up, uh, you only spent 50000 extra on your credit card that you didn't have that you were a massive deficit cutter. You're still an irresponsible buffoon. So I don't get it. Is debt bad? Because if debt is bad, 
then the whole liberal governing model falls apart. Because the way the left talks about deficits like they're a bad thing would seem to imply that debt's bad. Yet they continue to tell us that running up government deficits is good. I don't understand. Here's what I mean. Great piece in the newsletter by Terrence Jeffrey. He talks about how Biden the other day said he'd cut the deficit by a magic $1.3 trillion. Well, how did that happen, folks? Well, in fiscal year 2019, we spent $4.4 trillion. 2019, following? But in fiscal year 2020, so we're still talking about Trump and the end of Trump, the pan, with the pandemic, the government spent $6.5 trillion, a jump from $4.4 trillion, a one-year increase of $2.1 trillion when you do the numbers there. The deficit that year jumped to a record $3.1 trillion. You following? Yeah. So in fiscal year 2021, the fiscal year where Biden took office, government spending increased again to $6.8 trillion. The deficit that year between tax revenue and we have is $2.7 trillion. So the decline in the deficit from a pandemic record of $3.1 trillion to a still astronomical $2.7 trillion is what Biden was talking about when he said last year we cut the deficit by more than $350 billion. He's like, look at this massive deficit cutting, Joe, $350 billion. Yeah, dumbass, we ran a $2.7 trillion deficit still. Do you see what they do? Yeah, please, please get it out. Very good. De Again, is debt bad? I thought you're implying like de deficits are a bad thing. We cut the deficit. It's a scam. And he said something else yesterday, too. I got a couple quick things I got to get to. I'm sorry. I don't mean to rush, but he's pitching this greedy oil companies myth again. I, I ask him one simple question. He keeps talking about the greedy oil companies. Yet he talks about the greedy oil companies. And then he simultaneously says, and they're sitting on a bunch of leases that they're not using. So they're so greedy, they're not making money. I'm just checking. All right, moving on. Hey, the Bongino rule strikes again, then I'll get to you. We're going to have to skip to the questions after this. The Bongino rule strikes again. You may be wondering why I didn't report yesterday on this, Joe. Breaking news, bombshell by the left. I hear bombshell. I usually know it's crap. Just give it a little bit of time. And they were like, there's a seven-hour gap on January 6th in Trump's phone calls. Oh, my gosh, seven-hour oh. gap. Kind of sounds like, Joe, something you remember, the, the, the famous Nixon yes, gap in the, was it the 18-minute gap? First thing so, I of course, be, yeah, I know what you thought, because, you, you know, that was, that was Joe's, Joe remembers it well, mm -hmm. and that was pitched as the, you know, a huge conspiracy theory that this, this uh, you know, Nixon's, uh, that, that was real, however, they admitted to it later, right? So, of course, they want to paint Trump to be like Nixon. So, like, there's a seven-hour gap. So, the story, as you can see, Guy just put it up, is in the Washington Post on the front page. He circled the headline for you. This was a huge story. So, I said to myself, the Bongino rule, 24 to 72 hours. This will probably be debunked. <laughs> Here's the hilarious part. Look who wound up debunking it. CNN, today. Uh, they had to uh, belatedly acknowledge, by the way, a little bit late here, that an official review of Trump's phone logs from January 6th finds that the record's complete. They noted that this just reflects Trump's typical phone habits. He placed calls through the switchboard when he was in the residence, but rarely used it in the Oval. The fact that the log doesn't show calls on January 6th from the Oval is not unusual, said the source, because Trump typically had staff either place calls directly for him on landlines or cell phones. Those calls would not be noted on the switchboard log. <laughs> Another story. <laughs> Just please give it 24 to 72 hours. That's why I don't report on this idiocy. All right. Let me get to your questions. You were kind enough to submit them. It's time for questions for Dan. 
All right. Question one. Hey, Dan, how is the corrupt money laundering scheme in Ukraine by U.S. politicians being affected by the war? Who owes whom? And is our position on the invasion dictated by our corruption with Ukraine? Thanks, Dan. K.J. Wald. Uh, it is a great question. Uh, I'm going to have to give you an abbreviated answer. And I'm candidly not trying to sell you the book. I just, I have an entire chapter in my book, Follow the Money. It's called Insane in Ukraine, where I diagram out how politicians on both sides of the aisle were paid by Ukrainian pro-Russian people and Ukrainian pro-European people, European Union people, to lobby U.S. lawmakers. How is the invasion and decisions being made about the war affected by that? Ladies and gentlemen, former lawmakers and powerful D.C. lobbyists are lobbying people still on both sides, either stay out or get involved, not based on what they believe, but on based on who in Ukraine and on what side is paying them. The money trail's clear. It's in the book. You can see it. People took money to lobby for either side. So you can check that out. But it is, I'm sure of it, it's influencing decision-making now. This is by NJFLA. Hey, Dan, my husband and I just spent a weekend with, a good, with good friends who used to be on the right. All good until they bring up politics. They got very upset when I had good responses that their ears had a hard time hearing. Should I still respond to their right bashing or just let them talk? Yes. 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 People ask me all the time. I don't want to, you know, what do I do? Do I speak up? I don't want to lose friends. And I say to them, really? You want to lose your country? Folks, I'm telling you right now, you start spouting off politics in front of me. And I don't introduce the topic, by the way. Ever. You want to open up that topic? I'm going to close it. And you should too. And if they don't have, uh, if they're going to, it's going to cost you your friendship, I got news for you. They weren't your friends to begin with. All right. Hey, Dan, Kyrie0002. What makes everyone think that this up and coming election will be any different than the last? Pelosi has said once again the Dems will win at any cost. Listen, I don't know any other way to, I put this question in this morning deliberately. Folks, I'm not here telling you voter fraud doesn't exist. I, I, I mean, I don't know how many shows we've done on this. 20, Joe? 30? Maybe more? Oh, at least. It, it probably, Guy said, Guy, believe me, they put it together, these two. I'm not telling you it doesn't exist. I'm simply telling you what are your options then? So you're just going to forfeit an election. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I live in a world of realities. The best way to change it is to change voting laws, which we're doing. But we have to deal with the world we've been given. And if you're looking for an excuse not to vote, you're going to find it. And there's nothing I'm going to say is going to talk you out of it. I'm simply telling you, despite the abomination in the 2020 election, we still run the Florida governorship, Texas. We've won elections. We actually picked up a few seats. I don't know what to tell you. If you're looking for an excuse not to vote because you believe there's fraud, you're just going to find it. The best way to do it is to try to win these elections and change the laws. I'm sorry if that's not the answer you want, but it's the right one. It's the only one. I'm not forfeiting. I'm sorry. I'm not going to let them win. We've been very successful in here in Florida. Our votes matter down here. They don't matter in a lot of other states uh, as much where there's a, you know, a high amount of fraud. Uh, unfortunately, we've got to change that. Hey, Dan. Fading X ghost. What's your opinion on the attacks on Clarence Thomas and his wife? I am very close uh, friends with Ginny Thomas. Ginny Thomas is a wonderful human being. I think the attacks are disgusting. I think they're disgraceful. They're an effort for the left to destroy the credibility of the Supreme Court. Now that there's a five, four conservative majority. Yes, it's not six, three, it's five, four. 
Uh, and uh, I think that that's their agenda. There's nothing to do with Ginny Thomas and everything to do with Clarence Thomas. All right. Hey, Dan, M. Tofty, too. I'm curious to know if you exclusively listen to country music because you believe their morals and beliefs align with ours. I'm dying to know. Love always your most devout millennial. Um, I do like country music, and it is the majority of what I listen to. Um, I like Morgan Wallen's music. Uh, what is it? 865? Eight, what's 865409? You know, um, but I don't exclusively listen to it. I listened to a lot of music from when I was a kid. I don't know about a lot of the new stuff, but uh, a lot of the music when I was a kid, just being honest with you, was stuff that was being played in the streets. And I, I still, you know, I don't know, it gives me a sense of nostalgia, even though some of the stuff was pretty bad. But I don't listen to anything anymore that attacks police, calls women bees and hoes and stuff. No, no, that's out. I hear my kids listen to that. They forget it right off. This is uh, Green Bay Girl. Hey, Dan. Some Secret Service agents have come out with stories of what they witnessed in the White House. Are agents allowed to do that? I think they'd be sworn to secrecy. Can you speak to this? Thank you. Well, listen, um, you, you're, you're sworn to secrecy about national security secrets. You're not sworn to secrecy if you witnessed any kind of criminality. Uh, so, yeah, if you witnessed anything that was criminal, you should speak out. And I've been vocal about a couple of things that I've spoken about, but the personal stuff I've largely left out uh, because I, I don't think that's appropriate. Really, no matter how bad you thought these people were personally, they have to be able to, uh, you know, as long as they're not breaking any laws, um, you have to handle that delicately. We don't want the president trying to avoid the Secret Service detail on either side. All right, folks, thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I will see you on the radio show a little later. And please don't forget to watch my Fox show, Unfiltered, tomorrow night, Saturday at 9 p.m. I have a really important monologue about the haves and have-nots. I'm going to make the case to you that the Constitutional Republic, sadly, is collapsing. We can still save it. I'm going to lay it out to you, facts and data, nail at home, how we're sadly on the have-nots and how the haves keep getting ahead and how we can fight back, too. Don't miss it. Also have a self-defense expert on to talk about some Henry Gracie. That'll be fun. Unfiltered tomorrow night, 9 p.m. See you all on Monday. Good day, sir! You just heard Dan Bongino.